Hey, today is a great day because we are back in the Gospel of John. Uh, I'm just diving in this morning because we have a lot to cover. Um, and uh, it's a good day if you have not been hanging around Gateway because uh, we're finishing kind of the introduction to the book. It's kind of the prologue. But... Uh, so you kind of catch everything, but if you have been here, uh, and we've been going through the first 18 verses of John, and uh, today we kind of finish all of that, and I think there's a lot that kind of comes together in a cool way. Uh, today we're really talking about how Jesus has fully revealed grace to us, and so what I wanted to do was start the service off a little bit different, and just if you brought your Bible, uh, we'll just read through the first uh, 13 verses, and then I've put verses 14 through 18, the last five on the screen, because uh, those are the ones we're going to cover today. So if you brought this, uh, turn with me to John 1, uh, verse 1, and uh, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in, uh, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, um, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Okay, so here's kind of the last uh, few verses that we're going to cover today. Um, and uh, verse 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. From his fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the right, um, who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Uh, so that's kind of what we talk about today. And today we're really talking about uh, three unique ways that Jesus has revealed grace to us, uh, and and grace to John. And He's going to kind of tell us about that today. And uh, and I, I like thinking about grace, uh, because when I'm reminded that we're saved by grace and, uh, and, and the grace of Christ, uh, it just can't help but remind you how much God loves you and to what lengths God has gone through to have a relationship with you and so that you could know him in a personal way. And so today, as we kind of talk about how Jesus has revealed grace, um, kind of my hope and prayer is that this really produces in us uh, just uh, a desire to know God relationally, more intimately uh, today and this week, and as we study the book of John uh, over the course of uh, the next year uh, and some change 
uh, it sounds like. So let me pray, and then we're going to dive into this today. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that we can uh, look into it. I pray that you would, uh, as scripture says, open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, uh, that we may, we may see you and hear your voice today. Uh, and Lord, I know there's a lot of people here in different places, uh, but Lord, I, I pray that each one of us might hear your voice today. And we would hear what it is uh, you want to say to us, uh, what it is you want to do in us today. Uh, Lord, bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so uh, once upon a time, uh, years ago, I mean like seven years ago or so, I was a youth pastor. And uh, I got to do a lot of things being a youth pastor. Uh, and one of the things I got to do one time, a long time ago, was I went to this huge conference, and I was kind of just starting out. And so I was really hungry for knowledge and information, and uh, I just wanted to know everything I could know about, about being a youth pastor, because uh, I had no, no idea uh, what I was doing. <clears throat> Not like now. Uh, it was a joke. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I went to this conference. It was in Nashville. I'd never been to Nashville. And, uh, you know, th there was maybe like 3,000 people there, 2,000, something like that, and just a bunch of people that uh, worked with youth or worked with youth groups or, uh, you know, a lot of like small ministry staffs were there and just, you know, met all kinds of people from all kinds of different places. And I don't know if you've ever been to like a big Christian conference uh, like this, but like, you know, all the like Christian bands like lead worship there and and then like kind of like the household pastor names like they're there they're like the keynote speakers and you know the best-selling authors and it's you know it's kind of this big like I don't know it's kind of this big like who's who of I don't know Christians or something but uh you know uh, I went and uh th then there were these breakout sessions and these breakout sessions were usually led by people who uh, had written some books or just uh you know were kind of tried and true uh in in the uh Christian world and this this guy that I, I got to sit under his workshops for uh or like three workshops he was sort of a youth pastor at a really big, famous church. He had written uh, books. People had slid his books underneath my door, uh, probably for good reason. And, uh, and so uh, I was excited. I was excited to hear him. I was excited to sit uh, under his, his teaching. And there's probably three or 400 people in there. It was just a big, huge, like double conference type of room. And, uh, and he did three or four, I can't remember, this was, this was years, this some years back, but he did uh, three or four workshop class lecture type things, and they would go for like four hours each, which is a long time to listen to anybody, uh, but he was awesome. And he was encouraging. And the stories he told were super captivating. And, and they like gave you all the feels. And they were funny. And, and the scriptures he pulled out of the Bible and, and taught were inspiring. And uh, his uh, experience was really good. And man, I was hooked. And so at the end of this weekend, we had like one last big thing together. Just this breakout group that had been together. And I was like, I've got to meet this guy, right? And I was so excited. Uh, so I like, I like did the whh sneeze 
sneak, like put stuff in my bag kind of slowly as I felt he was wrapping up, right? And I got my water bottle and I finessed it in there just right. And, uh, and as soon as he said amen, I was like, you know, grab my stuff and out. But I was way at the back of the room. And so as I was kind of like speed walking, like up to see, which is really awkward when someone speed walks to see you, usually you're like, uh-oh. But I don't know, I, I was. And then I noticed there's a couple guys on this side and they're kind of doing the same thing. Right? And then I notice there's somebody on this side, and I seem to remember somebody just running to try, like, like not even being like, you know, kosher about it, right? They're just like running to try to get him. And then I realize there's people getting up in front of me. Everybody has had my idea and wants to meet the guy, you know. And then I got closer, and I realized this was only half of the problem. Because the other half of the problem was this guy had an entourage around him of people that were, that were, trained to do one thing, and it was to stop and slow down people like me, right? <laughs> and, you know, and so uh, this guy uh, that kind of found me, and I kind of collided with him, uh, I, I don't remember his name, so I'm just going to call him Taylor, because it was kind of some cool name like that, and he was kind of, a, I don't know, gave me cool vibes. And, uh, you know, I remember him being like, oh, hey, man, uh, you know, what are you doing? You know, and I was like, oh, I just, I really want to talk to the guy. You know, I'm really excited. And I remember, I remember telling him that, and he was like, ha, yeah. You know, and I was like, uh, I, I started to see, I don't think it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. You know, if you've ever been in a situation like this, maybe it's like a sporting event or you went to a big concert and you want to meet somebody that's really important, somebody who's really made a difference, somebody that you feel connected with, but they don't know that you exist. Uh, you, you know that that is just the way things go, right? It's just uh, famous people and important people are in demand. And so they can't give attention to every single person. And that is a really common uh, shared experience. Uh, but you know what? It's not at all like that with the Lord. He is the exact opposite of that, even though he is so much more important than, than any person we could look up to or respect. He is, he is not far off. He is not far away. There are no barricades uh, when, when he calls us and we place our belief and our trust in him and, and we come to him and we give our lives and, and our sins are forgiven and, and all this happens. We enter into a family. We enter into a relationship with him. And, and I'm so thankful for that. And that's really what grace is, is all about is the fact that he, he's come for us. The God of the universe has come uh, for us. And so that's kind of what our verses cover today. And I just want to cover three different ways that Jesus reveals the grace of God to us and this good news of this overwhelming goodness of God for us. And the first is this, that he reveals the glory of God in a way that only he can do. Here's what John 14 says. He says, the word has become flesh and dwelt among us and we've seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, and so I, I love that it says that, that Jesus, the, the Word of God, has become, he's become flesh. Uh, and uh, he could, you know, it could have said he became a man. Or he became like one of us, but it says flesh. And that's like the word for like arms and the word for like meat, right? It's, it just means he became one of us. And you know what it's like to have flesh. And I know what it's like to have flesh. It's not great to have flesh because flesh is not, uh, it's a temporary thing, right? It's, it's, uh, it, it, it's, uh, it, it doesn't weather all the storms. It's not an eternal, it's, it's a finite thing. It's vulnerable to circumstances, right? Like we have three little kids and one of my kids is in kindergarten. And so every 
Every bug that goes around Camus comes into my house, and I get it too, right? That's flesh. Jesus has taken on uh, flesh. He's become flesh. Uh, This is why John says that someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am. He existed long before me. Jesus traded majesty and glory uh, for the humble human servant condition that he became for us. Uh, And so he became flesh and he dwelt among us. Dwelt is a cool word too because it, it sort of means to settle or to take up residence, but it's sort of like to pitch a tent, right? It's, it's just for a little bit. It's not a permanent type of thing. Uh, it can also mean like tabernacle, like Jesus tabernacled among us. And that would draw your mind to older stories, right? Stories about when God dwelled with his people. Stories about when uh, God dwelled uh, in the tabernacle and his glory would reside over that. And, And if you just go through Exodus and Numbers, there are many stories, and I think there's a good summary at the end of Exodus 40 about how how the, the, the Lord was with his people. The, and, and even then, his grace was with them. And uh, so there's these really cool stories about how he would lead the people with a, being a, like a, with a pillar of cloud and fire. And, um, and, and it was really, really cool. And what John is saying is now, now the word has become flesh. And he is again tabernacling. He is again dwelling with people. He is staying with people. He's in the middle of his people again. He's with us. <clears throat> and, uh, and because of that, John says, we have seen his glory. And glory is a cool word too. It's like radiance or, or brightness. It can be just somebody who's glorious or being magnificent. Glory can be given, like weight can be given to somebody, importance, honor, uh, and it can just be a transcendent being who is deserving of honor. Jesus is worthy of all of these definitions, and we see them played out in John. He, He points out that Jesus shows his glory, for instance, in his miracles. He shows the power of God. He shows, uh, he shows his radiant glory in that. He gives glory to the Father. Uh, but, but Peter, you know, points out later that uh, Jesus was ultimately glorified on the events surrounding the cross, his death and his resurrection and ascension when he was lifted up. Uh, and so he was uh, glorified. And, uh, uh, but somebody a lot smarter than me sums it up and just says that glory is like the revelation or personhood, or character of God. It's just when God makes known who, who he is. That can be like a dwelling glory of the Lord, uh, right? Like in the Old Testament, maybe they saw him as a burning bush, or in the tabernacle, or on Mount Sinai, and, and God would, uh, he, people would see him, but they wouldn't really see him. They would see a, a glory. Uh, they would see a vision. They would see a, a cloud that, that, uh, that he was in or represented him, but, but couldn't see the fullness of who he was. And John's point here is this, that he has seen the glory of God because God has made it tangible. God's made it something that can be seen and touched and felt uh, in the sense for, for uh, John and, and uh, maybe even for us today. Here's what John says in 1 John, uh, how he kind of opens the book. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard and we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and we've touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we've seen it and we testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father 
and was made manifest to us. We've seen the glory of God. And so John goes on in this passage, and he, he tells us what it was like. He tells us something about, uh, a little bit about what God is like. And it's these two words down here, that he was full of grace and full of truth. And this would, again, maybe point you back to Exodus. It would maybe point you back to a God who was full of grace and truth. There's a famous story, uh, most of you probably know, about Moses on the mountain, and he wants to see the glory of God. And God tells him, you can't. You can't. You'll die. God is so holy. He's so righteous. He's so not flesh uh, that, that we, can't, we, we can't handle it. We'll, we'll die. We just can't handle his glory. But he puts Moses in this place and by this cleft, and he covers him with his hand, and, and he says that I'm going to let my goodness pass before you. And this is what he says as he passes uh, by Moses and lets Moses see uh, the back. He says uh, that the Lord calls out, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. You know, uh, so as, as John is, is talking about the glory that he sees in Jesus and the glory that he experiences with Jesus that he sees and touches and hears. It's full of grace. It's full of truth. And the grace reminds us that God is merciful and he's slow to anger and he abounds in love. And I'm so thankful that that is who God is. He's not just a God that's far away and, and that uh, we don't know anything about what this guy is like. He abounds in love and faithfulness. But he's a God of truth. He knows who's guilty and who's not guilty. He, he knows what's true and false. He knows what's good and bad. Many of you have probably noticed uh, in the last years, you know, what's good and bad changes in, in our, our world today. Uh, it's different. It's contextual. What's true in, in points in history isn't true in other points of history. And, but with, with God, he never changes. He's, he's truth, and we can trust the truth. But he's grace, <laughs> and the truth is full of grace. And so, Jesus embodies these two things, and, and it's had me thinking this week about, about how God is, how, he, how he's both grace and truth. He's not one or other, or an awkward balance of the two. He's both. He's full of grace, and he's full of truth. And it's had me wondering about something, if, if grace and truth mark my life. Am, am I a person full of grace? Do I just give people this this favor that, that comes from this well of goodness and love and mercy, does it, does it dwell in my life and does it come through my life? And, and truth, am I committed? Am I committed to truth? Am I committed to the scriptures? Am, am I committed to who God is? Am I committed to what he says about me? What he says about humans? What he says about eternity? Does that really mark who I am? Because Jesus was full. He was full of grace and he was full of truth. Uh, you know, go back to my, <laughs> my story when I met. Uh, I finally did meet him. I got past Taylor or Chad or whatever his name was. I got past him and, uh, and, and I finally did get to talk to, to this like youth pastor guy. And we had 
the shortest, most awkward, disappointing conversation, you know. Uh, and of course, because I build things up in my head and I'm awkward. And, uh, but, you know, the other part of it was this. He didn't know me and I didn't know him. You know, you can listen to somebody talk for a long time and still not really know who they are. And he certainly didn't know who I was. And, and I'm so thankful again that, that that's not how the Lord is. He knows us. Uh, scripture says that he's chosen us before the foundations of the world. And, um, and, and so he knows us and he has made a way by grace that we can know him too. Uh, those of us who will place our belief um, in him. So, uh, so Jesus has revealed the grace of God in a really tangible way. Secondly, he reveals a grace that is a better grace. Um, I couldn't fit better grace, but the real thing's better grace. We could just say grace. Uh, Verses 16 and 17 say this, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus. So again, we have this idea that uh, he is just full of of grace, and it just comes uh, uh, through him, and it just, his goodness just overflows from him. uh, And uh, he's full of grace, this unmerited favor that is just based on his goodness. It's just based on the goodness of God and his mercy and his faithfulness and his love. And, and John says this, that, that we've received grace upon grace. Now, this is something that John has uh, some experience with, and, and he says it's not just grace, but it's grace upon grace. And that reads really well, grace upon grace. And I think that's why all the English Bibles say grace upon grace, but literally it's grace instead of grace. Grace upon grace is true because God's always been graceful, uh, and he's always been uh, a graceful God, and, and even more today, he is graceful, but grace instead of grace kind of, uh, kind of sets one in, in, in a comparison with, an, with another one. And, and we can look at verse 17, the things that are being compared. For law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So uh, what he's not saying is that there was no grace in the Old Testament. That, that's not what is there. Uh, what he's saying is that there was grace in the Old Testament uh, because uh, God gave the law, and the law was a graceful thing for God to give. And we forget, you know, there's verses like this out of Psalms that says that the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And that's always been God, that he's, he, he makes wise the simple. He, he draws people to him, and, and uh, he's faithful to people. The Old Testament is full of stories of how God's people were not faithful to him, but God was faithful to them. And so he's always been full of grace, but, uh, and he dwelt with his people, and he was faithful to his people, but the law seemed to expose the need for a new heart. And so the Old Testament, it, it eagerly looks forward to one who would come and rescue the people of God. Uh, and, and so this grace and this truth, it's come through Christ. He comes bringing a better grace for us today. Um, and this grace is what makes us who we are. That's why it says that it's for by grace that we've been saved, not our works or our ability to walk in the law or our ability to do this or that. That's why there's no room for pride w- uh, within the walls of the church because we are sinners saved by God's good, overflowing grace. We've done nothing to deserve it. Uh, so, uh, so Jesus is the answer uh, to these things. And um, it's through him 
uh, that we can be indwelt by the Spirit. It's through Him that, that a hard heart, uh, a hard stony heart, can be made of a heart of flesh. It can be sensitive to the things of God. It can grow. It's because of Him that, that all of us are works in progress. Paul says something like this in First uh, Corinthians. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, the other apostles, uh, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. And that's true of all of us. We are what we are in Christ because of his grace, because of who he is. He has made the way uh, for that. Uh, This is my house. And I realize I've shown you all a lot of pictures of my house uh, this year, but this is another one. Uh, And this one looks a little less finished than one I showed you last week. Uh, What you're looking at here is a hole. may not look like a hole, but uh, this is uh, a basin. And this is, some of you have probably heard I've had some water issues in my basement before. Uh, And this this is why this whole space is, uh, this, this wall right here, there's a wall right here, and this is the concrete that wasn't dug up, and it is the lowest part of our property, and it's where water has historically come into the house. Just kind of this whole wall that goes up there, um, and this drain line is the one that was just fixed. It was galvanized before like a week ago, and it was crushed because old houses settle into the earth, and they crush pipes, things you learn when you have a hundred-year-old house, um, and so that got fixed, which is great, uh, and we also fixed a lot of drains, and just like that house has had decades of problems, and so we've been fixing all of these things we've been remodeling this year. And so uh, we decided we would go a step farther, right? So if ever, because I feel like the weather is getting crazy. I don't know if you feel that, especially in the winter and the summer right now. Like the summers try to kill you and the winters try to freeze you. And uh, so I was like, you know, we might get a flood one day and we might get a lot more water than we used to. So let's be ready for the water. Like I'm like vigilant about water in the house now. So, uh, so anyway, so this is, uh, this is for a, a sub pump. And so I dug this out. And because of the schedule and just different people working in the house, things like this, um, I, I wanted to do it in one day so I didn't get in anyone's way. And so it looks small. This is a five-gallon bucket next to it. This huge thing right here, ungodly thing, is a rock. And uh, this hole was filled with rocks that were that big. Um, and the other part that I should tell you is that this is beneath the stairs. So there's like stairs, like Harry Potter room styles, or like stairs. And so you can't dig. I mean, you have to like crouch and like dig like that, right? Uh, so for five hours on Wednesday, I just dug, right? And I just kept going, and, and it wasn't like pitch, pitch, pitch. It was like clink, 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 because there's so many rocks. Um, and let me just complain for a minute here, because uh, th- this, this, <laughs> this was a hard thing. And there was a moment where, you know, there's a lot of people there working, but there was a moment that everyone else uh, went home, and the kids uh, were eating, and Anna was at home, and my father-in-law, who's been helping us do a lot of stuff, was at home, and, and I, was, I was there. I came right after work and just got right back to digging. And I think it was on hour three and a half of digging, just clink, clink, clink. And, uh, and you know, I was tempted for like two seconds to feel sorry for myself, right? Because uh, I was alone under under my house, digging a hole uh, by myself. And here's the thing, though, and here's what's so crazy about grace, and what's so crazy about God's work, is my mind has been on John chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. Uh, It's just been running through my mind for weeks. And so as I'm down there digging, I'm thinking about how God has 
chosen me before the foundations of the world. I'm thinking about how God has gone through great lengths that I could know him. And I'm remembering that I'm not down there alone digging at all. I'm realizing that this hole is probably not in vain at all. It probably serves a purpose in my life. Oftentimes, when God has me do hard things, there's some sort of reason for it. And I know a lot of you guys can relate to that too, because God's grace is so good, we're never alone. Because God's grace is so good, there's never a reason to despair. I don't know what hole you're digging this week. I don't know what circumstance you might be in this week. I don't know what trial you're facing this week, but I absolutely know that if if you've placed your belief in Christ, you're not in it alone, and that God's working things together for you, because he always does. And there's something really amazing about God's grace and how that has all come from him. That is all because of him, not us. We didn't earn that. We don't earn a friendship like that. That's just an overflowing goodness of God. And so, so Jesus has revealed this grace. He's, he's been our expectation of this fulfillment waiting to happen for, for hundreds of years. And, uh, and, and so what was concealed in the Old Testament is, has been revealed in Christ. Um, so here's the last one. Here's the last thing about grace that Jesus kind of reveals, and it's just, he reveals the Father, and really he reveals the nature of the Father to us. This is the last verse we'll cover today, and it just says this, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. And so, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, about Sinai and the Old Testament, that, that we, can't, we can't look at the full glory of God. It's too powerful. It's too radiant. It just goes beyond what humans are capable of. But there is one who can't. And there is one who has done that, and he has made God revealed to us. And that, of course, is Jesus. And here John calls him uh, uh, the only God. And this word only, that he's the only one, John seems to use in a particular way, that Jesus is different. Remember last week we talked about how we can become children of God, right? He gives us uh, that right. But Jesus is in a unique category of his own, uh, because uh, he is of what we are not. So here's the rest of what John says about this only person, the only God or the only son, he says a lot. Uh, for instance, you probably know this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Or this one. Uh, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. He is a unique person. There's one of a kind. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. I love that verse. And of course, we've already actually stumbled upon it today. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we've seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So he's unique. Uh, he does this. So, uh, so Jesus is, uh, Jesus is special uh, in this way. And he has made him known to us. Uh, if you listen to a lot of Christian podcasts, things like that, uh, you've probably heard the word exegesis. I feel like it's sort of a trending word right now. Uh, and it's just a word that like if you ever take like a Bible class or uh, like uh, any, anything like that, uh, you'll come into the word. It, it means to tell or 
uh, report or explain or interpret something like that. But the idea is that you, you interpret the Bible rightly or you interpret the Bible and you pull out what's really there, right? So you're looking at things like context, things like that. You're not just making it say stuff you want it to say for convenience sake or something like that. Well, uh, this is where we get the word exegesis from the word used for known here. And what it's saying here is that Jesus has done this for the Father. The one who's been with the Father forever. The one who knows the Father. Uh, when it says uh, who is at the Father's side, it's the word bosom. It implies intimacy. It's the word John uses when he says that he, he sat against the side of Jesus. It, it's it's a, a loving relationship, and, and he has made this known. He has pulled out the meaning from this Father, and, and, and he has explained to us. He's shown us, and this is the glory and the grace and, and the heart of the Father that, that we come to know through him. And, and there's something about this knowledge. There's something about learning about God is that it's not about head knowledge. It's not about developing a concise, theologically accurate theology. I mean, that's really good and it's important, but there's a personal aspect to this. There's a love aspect to this. There's a knowing beyond knowing aspect to this. Uh, Paul says it like this in Ephesians. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, and high, and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And so there's this thing that I think John is telling us. And it's that, uh, that we're going to dive out of the prologue and we're going to learn a lot about the Lord and, and the Word of God. And we're going to learn a lot about Him. But uh, but there's an experience here. He's, he's calling us, I think, into knowing him personally and knowing him relationally. Uh, so, so I grew up uh, on 164th over here in the neighborhood close by. I mean, not really from Gateway, but relatively close. And if you're like OG Clark County, uh, you might remember a day when the airport was, the Evergreen Airport was like right off Mill Plain and like 164th. So I grew up driving by that, I mean, all the time. And I loved the airport because I loved small planes and things like that. I was fascinated with it. So I'd always ride my bike out there and stuff. And my dad uh, sometimes would ride his bike with me. And I think you guys will appreciate this if you know my dad, uh, because I always tell people, it's like, you have to experience my dad. You can't describe can't describe the man. Uh, and so when we would go do things, uh, you know, like, like it was always an adventure with my dad. And so one day uh, we're doing something we used to do, which was just watch planes land and take back off. And, uh, and we're watching this happen. And this guy flies in this little like Cessna and he's fueling it up. And we're standing there watching it. And I'm thinking this guy is so awesome because he's got like the pilot's like aviators on, you know, and he's got like the jacket on. And I was probably 12, right? But I remember looking at this guy being like, yeah, like that, this guy, right? This guy, right? And my dad is standing there uh, behind the chain link fence with me. And he goes, hey, hey, guy. And the guy's like, the guy looks up and uh, he's like, ah. And my dad's like, take us up. 
And the guy's like, what? And my dad goes, take us up, all right? And so he looks around, and he thinks about it for a second, and he goes, okay, right? So he comes over, and he opens the gate, and I've never got to step onto this air- airport before, right? And, and like five minutes later, I'm flying over my house on 164th in this plane. And it was really cool because, you know, my dad sat in the back, and he sat in the pilot seat, and so I was like the co-pilot, you know, and so I'm like, you know, he let me like touch the controls only for a little bit because I wasn't very good at it. And, um, you know, it was like this crazy memory and this crazy experience I had. And I was telling somebody about this this uh, this week. And they were saying, you know, that guy, that pilot, probably was so excited to give you that experience. I don't know if you know any pilots like that, but, but they love to share the experience of flying because it's such a unique thing, right? Uh, and I think that's John. I think John is excited because he's experienced something and he wants you to experience it too. And so there's an invitation, there's an opening of the gate, and, and he's calling us to come experience something. Not just know it, not just research it, not just study it, not just get it right, but to actually experience something. And, and this is what grace is all about, is, is that we can experience and have a relationship with God. And that is an amazing thing. That's an amazing thing that we should never get too used to. Uh, and and, and it, it makes those you know, digging under your basement things, not so bad. And it, it makes those friendships that are frustrating workable somehow. It, it, it's that grace that comes into your life starts to come through your life as you experience it and you experience him. And so uh, th- this year, uh, you know, I think my, my real prayer is that as we look through the book of John, as we kind of get out of the prologue and kind of get into the rest of the book, that we don't just know a lot more about Jesus, sort of like uh, Bob was saying a couple weeks ago, but that we would be those who would experience him this year. We would be those who would, who would step past the fence and, and, and get up in the plane and, and go see things we've never seen before and experience things we've never experienced before because God has poured out his grace on us and he's gone through great lengths to pour out that grace on us. And so uh, with that being said, why, why don't we close in prayer and, uh, and then you'll be dismissed. Uh, well, Lord, we just thank you that uh, you are a God of grace, uh, Lord. And uh, I just pray for all those who you are drawing to yourself and they're still in that process that you would just continue just to stir their hearts. And Lord, for those of us that know you and have been walking with you for a long time, uh, I just pray that you would stir our hearts too. Lord, that we would just know your love more and more that our relationship with you would grow deeper and deeper, that we would come to understand the relationships and the circumstances in our life as just you working in our lives and showing us more about who you are and what you have for us. And Lord, I pray this year that you would use the book of John to do that in our life. Uh, Lord, just uh, create in us uh, just new soft hearts that are eager to respond to your leading. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.